All right, what is up, everyone? We are back after a pretty long break. If you've been following the Twitter account, you've seen that we've been we started a new series. We're gonna look at the blow it up for certain teams. So essentially, just teams that have been eliminated, maybe kind of early for some teams, like the Clippers or the Bucks. I'll throw my Rockets into that category. Um, we're just gonna look at what it'd be like if we just we were the GMs and we wanted to make significant changes and just really shaking it up. Not saying we'd actually do any of this, but you know, it's it's always fun to look at blockbuster trades. So, well, how have you been, Sam? We haven't talked in a while. I'm doing pretty well. Uh, my picks aside, I'm doing great. I've just watched the Lakers move up ahead 3-1, uh, which I know a lot of people are already saying that's exactly where Denver wants to be, down 3-1, see if they can uh, make history again. But uh, just catching some hoops and uh, trying to blow up your Rockets has been my latest topic. So what are you? Yeah, basically the same. Um, you know, we should have pulled out the 2K and see what 2K was talking about on some of these trades because they come up with some of the probably most insane trades when you're doing like the association mode and you just do the trade finder like someone would probably offer us five first round picks for Westbrook or probably like the Hawks like a team that makes no sense or something like that that's uh it's funny that's actually one of the ones I have down so I'm gonna strike that from the record right now <laughs> that's not true but yeah uh, would you find it hard to blow it up for your Rockets are you still holding on to this team was actually good. This team should be still playing right now. Oh. They'd, be, they'd be ahead against the Nuggets. Uh, they got the heat in their sights. Like, where are you at? Uh, of course. Like, of course I'm still holding on. I'm going to fall back on... Well, okay, now that you say that, <laughs> I'm not going to consider it a fallback. I think this is just a factual statement. Basically, everything I was saying was contingent on at least getting close to the best version of what Westbrook was doing like when he was finally healthy integrated and the Rockets were playing like just started their small ball from like January to March all everything that I was saying was contingent on at least getting close to that version instead of getting a legitimate negative player like and people are gonna say oh his playoff performance in the past well I mean this was really due to a serious quad injury and COVID so I don't think this was like because he's a bad playoff player that's why he did this i think it's because he's coming off serious injury and had COVID. But anyway, just had to get that out there. I mean, that, that's – you're well, not – uh, well, Hold on, one, one more thing. I'm not saying, like, that's the only reason. I'm just saying, like, me picking the Rockets and saying the Rockets were going to win. Like, that's – that was contingent on actually having a pretty good version of Westbrook. Other – and I got to give Bogle credit. Like, part of my analysis was I don't think he was going to make the proper adjustments. I think he actually did a great job coaching that series. Yeah, just going small. Yeah, and, like, one thing I remember they implemented at the end is, like, they really got into, like, the just off-ball guys' minds to crash for the offensive boards really hard, and, like, they changed up the style of, like, the way they were cutting off the ball. And, like, Danny Green was grabbing, like, five offensive rebounds a game because he was crashing. Yeah, he was, like, crashing from the corner from, like, game three on, like, every single time, and that killed him. And... Yeah, I think Vogel actually made like some pretty serious like adjustments and did a really good job coaching that series, which I didn't think he had in him. Yeah, and just changing up the schemes on a hard end, bringing the double late, bringing the double early, just like completely selling out not to give up threes because that was one of the big things we thought 
Houston just had the math advantage, but a couple games they only got up like high twenties or low thirties for threes, and that's just not going to work for Houston. Um, so yeah, I think I think Vogel did a good job. I think he's people think he's just like a propped up puppet, and LeBron is coaching the team. I don't really think that's true. I'm pretty sure those guys work pretty hard and uh, game plan and scheme. I mean, sure LeBron probably runs like the offense in the last five minutes or dictates a lot of the play, but like certainly the game planning and the scheming and the defenses and the rotations and many more things are all, are all triggered by Vogel and the staff. Yeah. So with all that being said, you're the GM for Titus in your ear telling you, Oh, it's not going to work. We got to shake it up, which is something he is actually known for doing. What are your thoughts? What does that mean to you? Well, so, so maybe one more brief tangent, like, like, it's so hard to just to judge everything off of one series, right? Like, we, we both thought the Rockets were going to win. Maybe you can say we're foolish now, but I know we both had good reasons, and we think that it's COVID season, no home court, Westbrook was terrible, but... Well, and two, for the record, game one, they won, obviously. Game two and game three, they led going into the fourth quarter, and they just kind of lost the fourth quarters that game, like... The, four, the second two games they lost was pretty bad. But, like, actually, I think one of those games was the game they really came back at the end and brought it to within five at, like, a minute left out of nowhere. Like, so the series on paper, just looking at the results, looks bad. But if you, like, actually look at the context, I don't think it was as lopsided as it looked. Right, and they lost House, who, uh, let's just say, couldn't follow some rules <laughs> down in Florida. And so, yeah, like... You certainly can explain away a lot of it, but is it really worth like blowing up the whole team? Like they were pretty good. They were pretty good after the after the trade, obviously for Capella. Even their defense was solid. I maybe question having like zero big men, but but I don't know. It's like so crazy. So like part of me, wild tangent, wants like the playoffs not always to be the be all end all, but like that's all people care about, right? But so they lost. So they placed the faced the Lakers and a bunch of things happened and they ended up losing in five. But I mean, maybe that team could beat twenty six teams in the playoff series or twenty eight teams. Like you, you're just never gonna know those things. And Westbrook's untimely injury and like it's just so hard to judge when like everyone points to literally five games of result. Like I almost wish they had like the the midseason tournament or like there was another thing to play for because now now like the Clippers are the biggest frauds ever, right? And the Rockets, like their plan doesn't work, but like and the Bucks, like Giannis needs to ask out and he doesn't have enough help or his game's not versatile enough. Like maybe some of those things are true, but we just have like one data point. I mean seven game series it's probably not fair to say like one data point because seven game series, like you can see some flaws exposed and some severe weaknesses, but like, I wish there was more than just the playoffs and like you got a ring or bust. Uh, Like maybe like how many teams out of this playoffs are going to be success stories like Denver and and whoever wins the the title. It's like, even if Boston loses in five here to the heat, like there's going to be like people mad. Right. And like some questions asked, like, like Tatum, you know, gets the heat of the battle and playoffs can't really do it. Gordon Hayward overpaid, getting older. Like, it seems crazy that only like two teams are going to come out of here with like their heads held high. I don't know. What do you think? No, I mean, I completely agree with all that. And I mean, like, if you look at from Boston's point of view, I think 
this was a very successful year for them. I remember when I like did like preseason like comparing teams to their like projected their Vegas projected uh, win total. I thought Boston was like I think there was like forty nine. Like I thought there's they were gonna be like right around it. And like one thing I was thinking, I was like, okay, so what's the best case for this team? Like Tatum gets a little bit better. Uh, Hayward's like somewhat close to like himself, and they win like fifty two games. I mean, if you this is literally like maybe not results wise, but if they lose, but this was literally like the best case year for like every single one of their top six players. Like this is a very good year for them. Like this should they should be proud of what they did. It like especially just thinking about the fact that Tatum legitimately made the leap from I don't know what level you'd put him on before like after his second season since he was kind of disappointing, but then like turned around a little bit. But his first year too, he's like elite role player. Then whatever he was second year, but then he like. Whatever he was, he made the jump to, like, legitimate superstar. So, I mean, I think this is a very successful year for Boston. And one thing we talked about before is, like, the cumulative score of the series at 3-1 right now is tied. Like, that's how close the series has been, even though they're down 3-1. Right, yeah, and I agree with all that. Uh, just if you put on a different lens, you could say they beat Philly without Ben Simmons. Like, congratulations. <laughs> Most teams would have beat them. Then they barely squeaked out a seven-game just slugfest with the Raptors who are a solid team, but like nobody really put them as like upper, upper level to contend for a title. I don't think. And then if they get blasted by the five seed heat, like a lot of people think they don't match up well against the bucks either. And so it's like, even a team that loses in the conference finals, it's like, you know, it's people can be left wanting more. And like, if the Lakers were somehow to lose the Western conference finals here up three, one, like they'd be like the laughing stock also, just like the Clippers. It's just, it's nuts how there's only like one acceptable result. And like every other team is just left, uh, like scratching their head. Like what, what trades do we make? Uh, how can we fix this when really like nothing might be broken? Yeah. I think a lot of that is kind of like ownership pressure and then maybe just the need to change something. Um, yeah, I mean, going back to some of that, too, like, Boston 100% is not a team that I think will make our blow-it-up series. Like, they didn't disappoint from, like, a rational view like we're taking. Like, I think I think a lot of, like, like a lot of, like, analysts and, like, uh, front office people are capable of looking at it like that. But it's just that I guess the overall view is made up as from a lot of casual, like, fans and just, like, people are just, like, kind of just fans and just want championships. So that kind of takes over the narrative. But... You just remember also, like, the last vision you saw of them was them mm -hmm. losing, right? Like, you will remember the last, like, games where they lost. So that probably plays a factor in it. But basically, I don't think we should crap on all these teams that uh, actually did get this far. I mean, there's plenty. There's some teams who didn't even make the bubble, uh, as I know too well. There's some teams who didn't make it out of the bubble, even if they're 8-0, like the Suns. And then there's some teams who don't get to the second or third round. So I think just – I guess it's all balanced against expectations, but – I think there's, uh, I think there's teams who should be a little happier maybe than the average fans are with their seasons ending. Yeah, completely agreed. All right, do you want to get going? Yeah, so it's so hard to know where to even start. I have a lot of trades, and most of them are probably pretty questionable. But uh, I mean, do you want to start with the like? Yeah. Ones I like, ones I hate. Well, I'll start. I'll just say one thing, then we kind of figure out from there. Um, so I didn't do a single Harden trade, just because 
the way I looked at it was this: there's actually room with this roster to make significant trades in like that with the goal still being to be like competitive and stuff like that. And I just don't see. I mean, what it's just what's the point of like hardened trades? Like looking at those, I think it's just gonna be like, oh yeah, maybe someone will throw you five first round picks. Like, I mean, you just like talk about that for any team really, and. I just my mindset was okay. Let me look at Westbrook, see what like maybe he could turn him into by like turning him into like instead of one forty million salary, forty million dollars salary, maybe like three twelve million dollars salaries or something like that. Like that's kind of the route I took. And obviously, Russ's trade value is terrible because of the small sample size in the bubble when. He actually was playing the best basketball of his life from January to March. So that kind of sucks. But like you were saying about just kind of recency bias and what's fresh on people's mind. And it's just that's always the card you can play. But like, oh, why would I give that up for him when he was just the worst player on the court in multiple playoff games? Like he single-handedly lost the Rockets two playoff games. So, yeah. Um, that's another thing, too, that we, in our conversation off-air, just going back to how I think if Westbrook doesn't play game two, I think the Rockets win that game. Um. Anyway, yes, yeah, so that's yeah. kind of the that's the route I took. I have a good bit of Westbrook trades, and then I have a good bit of Gordon trades because I think that's actually he could end up being a cap casualty because the Rocks have the cheapest owner in sports. I think it's probably pretty likely, honestly. See, that's if you're gonna do that though. Like, I get it. There's completely different level player than like Harden or even Westbrook. But like, if you're if you're not gonna do everything to maintain the very best team, like, what what are you even doing at that point? So like, so you to be like, call the Rockets like the third best team in the West or something, and to have a legitimate chance other than crazy shooting luck to to like win, like to make the Western Conference Finals or the Finals, like. You just need you need everything. Like you need you can't sacrifice pieces to save cash. And like so, I think if you're just gonna trim cash, like then like why are you even keeping Harden? I mean, I guess the answer would be because you want to be relevant and you want to make money. It's probably the one A one B to that. But well, and he's just like a he's a floor of fifty regular season wins and like top eight offense. I mean, you can and then you put one or two. You do one or two moves that make it look like you're trying to halfway compete, but you're probably trying to save money, and you can maybe get like a second round type playoff team or whatever. Like, I don't know, but I hate I hate that idea. I just want to put it out there, but I mean, I get so it. I get what you're saying, and I oh yeah, sort that, of yeah. Understand. I'm just like trying to rationalize it any way yeah. possible. Like, just think about if I'm an owner who the only thing I want is to save cash. But yeah, it's just insane to have a chance. It whatever your opinion of the Rockets is, like I think. To not call him a contender over the past three years. If you're taking the last three years into account, I mean, that's just blatantly, blatantly wrong. Like, I mean, they were the second best Nobody team. Nobody would the, say that. Like, they came within one game of beating the Warriors the who were unbeatable. The opinion on them, like, I think people really forget that happened. And then they forget that 18-19, they also took the KD Warriors minus the last game when KD didn't play. They took them to six games, and no one else has even done that before. I think people really forget that that KD I don't think they ever lost a playoff game they might have lost like one playoff game with KD other than um other than the what's it called the against the Rockets like they never lost more than one you mean or what yeah I think like the most they lost in a series was one other than uh against the Rockets yeah, when maybe they had the- KD 
Maybe the Clippers last year. I think that they had some insane comeback. They might have taken six to beat the Clippers, but oh yeah, yeah, yeah the Clippers. That's that's what it was. The Clippers had the only that's other one. performance. Yeah, but yeah, they've crushed everybody. So I mean, I think I think most intelligent people who follow basketball think the Rockets were right there for a title. But I mean, I'll say this is a different team, right? Like, yeah. like this is a, this team doesn't have Chris Paul. I know that you don't like. I know that you don't like <laughs> scrutinization of that trade, but I still like that trade. And uh, and uh, how about we just start with that? What about Westbrook for Chris Paul? Uh, Westbrook and two Westbrook first round picks. Westbrook and the only first they have left. <laughs> yeah, they have one first round pick left they can trade and attach him to Chris Paul or attach to Westbrook for Paul. That would be something. <laughs> um. What if you so? What if you had your mind erased, Men in Black style, and you just woke up today and that got offered to you? Would you do it? It's it's still so tough to pull the trigger on that because I mean, better fit, is, more shooting. Is Chris Paul a ticking time bomb though? Like I mean, because it it is only takes part? that could be true, but also, but like with Paul, like. I feel like at his point, though, it only takes one injury at this point to do it to him, like to where he's like not even like, to where he's just like a kind of just average type player. Like, I feel like one injury could be the tipping point for him. But I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't think I do it. Maybe just save the last pick they have available <laughs> to trade. What about, what about straight out? I don't know. Do you do it? <laughs> uh, yeah, I do that in a heartbeat. But I'm, I'm not. Just, I'm not a big Westbrook guy, especially in the playoffs, especially at the highest level. Yeah, I. I don't know. It's ask me at next trade the next trade deadline because then I can determine if Russ is like even close to being back, or if he's just completely washed. But. I don't know. That January to March, like, he was a great player during that time. Like, he was shooting like 1.5 threes a night. He was like, any, you couldn't trap Harden anymore because he was like pulling the Utah Jazz where he's like in a sprint before he even catches the ball. And he's like already like one foot, one or two, one or two steps inside the three point line on the catch, one dribble, just getting all the way to the basket. Like, I mean, he was killing it then. Yeah. I mean, you say one injury might derail Paul forever. I mean, Westbrook injured his quad in the bubble, and two deep into round two, you said he was still a negative for their team. So like that, he had like three and a half weeks before between like game six of the bubble and like game four and five of the second round, and like he was still pretty terrible. So was know, it that long? I feel like he was he got hurt like, during the bubble, right? Yeah, I'm talking, about, I'm talking about when he came back to like when the Rockets were eliminated. I feel like that was only like two weeks total. Yeah, but he also was healing when he was out, obviously. Yeah. Well, I think the injuries hurt him. Like, minor injuries, like, definitely hurt him. It's, like, a long process of getting back. But I feel like his still overall durability, I mean, I would feel like I'd have to lean to it being a little better. But I don't know, with Chris Paul, it's really just age for me. Like, I I just feel like it's, like, a, like a, what Max Kellerman always talks about with Tom Brady, the, the – 41 being like the cliff for quarterbacks they just fall off after that age like i just don't know how much longer a small guard can keep going who's had a few i think like he hasn't had crazy injury history but he definitely has had some 
I mean, that's fair. Injuries and age is definitely a factor. Um, but we can move off of that one since that's never going to happen. Uh, I just wanted to torment you a little bit. You said you had no hardened deal, so maybe I'll just run through. I have very few, but I just want to see uh, what you'd say about them. What about... What about... <laughs> what about Harden for Giannis? <laughs> Ugh. That's the bu- if the Bucks think they're gonna lose him and Harden's signed for three more years. Well, yeah. one player option, but well, shooters you got shooters around him. He can basically yeah. be your center. Yeah, that would be would be great to see them play together. Um, but but you might only get one year of yeah. Years. That that's the biggest thing I'm thinking about. Like because of that, I'd say no. If I was like, but that's assuming like I'd be willing to entertain a rebuild, but um, I don't know. I just don't think you can trade hard away for someone who could leave in a year. All right. Well, that's not going to happen either. But at least interesting, mildly interesting to talk about. What about what about for Embiid? Uh, so, someone uh, talked about that in a Twitter group chat I'm in today, and it was just Harden to Philly in general because apparently that's a rumor that if D'Antoni goes there, they're going to try and get Harden in free agency. But then people were just talking about the trade. Oh, I didn't, I didn't heard that. I just, I just, yeah, they sent the tweet to the group today, so I just saw that. I don't know how true or anything the rumor. Well, it's a rumor, obviously, but um, yeah, I literally struggled thinking about just a Harden to Philly deal for like. An hour today i just i don't even know um i mean so if you're the rockets you're if you swap him out for Embiid, what are you betting on i mean maybe just if you think maury's leaving and like like harden's not gonna want to stick around so you get a star who's a little younger and under contract uh for a little longer but he also is probably the biggest ticking time bomb out of everyone we've discussed True. And just like, can you really, how good can you be if he's your best player? I mean, you can still make the playoffs and all that, but I mean, I don't think, I think you're probably putting a ceiling on yourself by making him your best player. Um, I just think if I'm trading Harden, my, I'm taking the longest view because of something we've kind of touched on right now. It's like going forward, there's a, a lot of like if you look like four or five years down the road for the west like who knows what's gonna be going on but if you just kind of look at the somewhat uh near future you know the lakers and clippers are still gonna be around for at least two to three years warriors still gonna be around the warriors might if they play their cards right they might balance their dynasty to like continue for like five or six more years and then luca with kp and then they have max cap space going in like summer 21 i think i might I'm not big on like wanting picks like that in my deals or like obviously I want like first round picks but I'm not big on that being like the main package yeah. but I think if I'm trading Harden that is the type of package I'm looking for like just really pick heavy in the future kind of like how the Thunder made all their picks that are coming to them and like all like all their deals they pushed them about uh, back as far as they could I think I'd definitely be in favor of that all right so Ultimately, no, not interested in Embiid. A pack, yeah, no. A package I might consider is uh, the just throw the Paul George package back at, at the Rockets. The Shea Gilgis Alexander Gallo and five picks. Yeah. So to the Thunder. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't think that... I just don't think the Thunder would... Like, what are they going to do with Harden? Just be solid? Or be like the four seed or something? Um, but all right, so I think I only have one more Harden one. Uh, maybe a couple, but... So you said you want not only picks. So I think I've already floated this general structure to you on the Bulls pod. So what if you could get... Laurie Markkinen, Kobe White, Zach Levine, the fourth pick in this draft, 2023, like, call it top three protected. For, for Harden. Okay, that's that actually is interesting because those, like, you're getting at least White still on his rookie deal. Um, Levine. Markkinen. Yeah, Markkinen's, like, one, whether this will be the last year coming up yeah, on his rookie yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't think his extension will get crazy high. Then Levine's already on a somewhat controlled number. Top four pick. Yeah, I mean, that is pretty interesting value-wise. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it might be too much. I don't know. Uh, No, I don't know about too much. I don't know if it's How old's Harden? 31? Yeah, I think he's 31. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's not too much, but... Because I was wondering, like, what that actually did for the Bills. So then I was thinking, like, if you include Covington in that also. Because, like, Covington is, like, the best role player you could ever find. But, like, if Houston is clearly... I mean, probably clearly taking a step back here and, like, the Bulls want to be good. It's like, why would you give up everything for Harden just to be, like, the Rockets of the midwest i guess so i included covington also and then you probably have to throw in thad young back to the bulls you can maybe include another pick if you think it's light but like then the bulls get pretty interesting um if you keep wendell carter obviously you have james harden fulcrum of the offense roco kind of the perfect three and d four around him and bring back chris dunn to defend next to james harden like i don't know I think- in the east yeah, I think this is like the exact conversation we had in the Bulls pod because we're like, why would Chicago even do it then if they have no one? We're like, well, I guess they can at least. Yeah, that's why get I was a, throwing Rocco in there. <laughs> yeah, get a decent floor and be halfway decent. Um, I saw something on Twitter. Wait, you said you had one more? Uh, I think I have one more Harden one. Who's it with? Uh, it's with the Cavs. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I'll say we can get to that in a sec. <laughs> Um, that I'm very excited for that. <laughs> so one thing I saw float on Twitter, I can't remember who posted it, but it was like a trade sending Harden to the Magic. And there actually was like somewhat of a structure there. Really? If if they're looking to rebuild. Um, the thing is like everyone they're sending, like some of the guys they're sending, I was like, dang, I kind of wish they could play with Harden. <laughs> Um, but it's like I think Gordon was starting it for just like good young player and then salary. Then Isaac was included, um, and then like picks and then maybe one other decent. Uh, I can't. I think the structure is like Gordon, Isaac, and picks. And as that, that's something. I mean, if you think Isaac can be like an all defense, uh, I think he definitely is like all defensive type player. But if you think he's like defense player of the year type guy, and then just Gordon, just a decent young player, and if you get a few picks to help boost your future too, 
I mean, I think you definitely can get more and better than that for Harden. That's the thing, too, about a lot of these. Like, if it's, like, known that Harden's on the trade market, the bidding war would be insane, especially when you still get him for, like, a few years at this point. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think there actually was a pretty interesting structure there. All right. I don't know if I love... I mean, Gordon and Isaac is basically the meat of it, right? Yeah, and then I think it was, like, a few picks. I mean, Gordon seems just, like, to be available for any team if they actually put up an offer, and Isaac just is always hurt, but, yeah, I don't know. So, yes, I don't know if I love that one, but... Yeah, a lot of it would be, like, you got to really think Isaac's defense player of the year type. Yeah, and then what would the Magic do? They'd have Vucevic and Harden, and then just... Fournier, folks. Hope for the best. Yeah. Yeah. Ross. All right, see, I don't know if I like that one. You, is that all you have on that one? You're, you're not even in love with it? You just think something could be there? Yeah, I just thought it was kind of interesting, just like the, Isaac being like a really nice player you could get back. And then um, it'd take a lot of picks for me to like be actually interested in that. But, yeah, I, thought, I just thought it was interesting. Okay. Yeah, and I should say, again, on, on all these, I kind of put them in different categories. So, like, some of them are just, like, straight, you know, blow it up. Some of them are, like, hanging on to contention. Like, if you traded it for, for like, Embiid or something, obviously you're just, like, extending your window, but maybe your ceiling is a little bit lower. Like, this this last one for the Cavs would be, like, basically just blow it up and Harden, like, either Harden says he's not really interested in staying, like, or, I don't know, is there any sentiment in Houston that he's just like not a winner and you guys are getting sick of him or not not so much like not. around like fans or like gm you've ever heard anything i guess they always praise him like every their coach d'antoni always says how good he is like maury well, praises harden at every single moment he can yeah i think the people kind of like to your point earlier about how like everything seems to ride on postseason performance and like getting literally like to the championship so people will probably getting their feelings get a little mad when they get eliminated and don't win championships but yeah. i mean they kind of forget that harden has carried them to some real regular season success and gotten them still pretty far like we talked about 17 18 year probably second best team in the league i mean definitely second best team in the league and then i mean yeah it's just people he's and it is tough since he has had a lot of bad like playoff performances but yeah i don't People okay. talk about that a little, that narrative a little, but I think overall they live with it and they're perfectly happy. All right, yeah, so probably not too realistic, but this is just like a blow-it-up scenario where, you know, you're moving on from Harden. So the Cavs, Kevin Love for salary purposes and to pair him with Westbrook, his buddy from UCLA. Cannot forget about that. Yeah. And then, like, Porter, and then Sexton or Garland, the fifth pick, the fifth pick this year and then like the 2022 unprotected also so i mean you're getting like two pretty solid promising guards um kevin love i mean he's not completely washed and he actually might be somewhat decent even for another year if westbrook is like you know fully healthy and gives you a stretch five maybe love can still rebound which is a big deal yeah. for the for the rockets and then like two really good picks potentially for sure one top five pick yeah um yeah i mean that's interesting uh that's kind of that part of the reason i didn't look into the hardened trades like that though is like and this kind of goes back this kind of similar to the magic trade to where it's like you can throw 
whatever their best salary situation, young guy, like, especially they're young, plus like two or three of the other team's best young players and picks and just like make that offer <laughs> yeah. for every single team. Like, yeah, I, just, I was just like, oh, maybe you could do something like Brandon Ingram and Zion for James Harden or something like, or just like anything like just best young player on team plus good young player and picks. Like, I think you, you could come. make the same structure for any team, you're saying? Yeah. Um, but that is interesting. Let me see if one of these was tweeted at us. Um, yeah, I actually don't think this one technically works. I think this is actually a glitch on Trade NBA. But just the thought of Kevin Love coming to the Rockets, like let's say with their current setup, like if they've got like tried to add him to their team, I've always been. I used to not like that, but then when I kind of just watching them play defense this year, I kind of just learned that sometimes like just if you had like a smart competent center, like just a smart center who knew where to be, which so much of their defense is like, because so much of their defense is built around like, we're going to concede this because we know the numbers say it's not going to kill us. And it's like, you just need people to know when to switch and when to be in the right positions and like kind of just have an idea of what the other team's trying to do and just like, like know when people are going to cut through and things like that and just kind of be a good communicator and just kind of overall be... No, no, just like that. Just you, know, you don't have to be a great defender. I think if they like were looking for a center, so I've kind of taught myself into Kevin Love might actually be decent on this team. I used to be completely against that, but I just feel like he might be able to be smart enough to be competent. And then with like if they keep retain a lot of like PJ Tucker and Robert Covington, got some good wing defenders around to help him out. I mean, the offense would be insane. Add another like. Uh, just high volume three. It's like getting Ryan Anderson's offense back, but just right. way better. And he's got a little like uh, one thing I saw someone tweet too is just like how like the outlet passes of him to Russ would be like pretty nasty too. Just he's like the best outlet passer in the league, and then Russ just seeing the shot go up, and if he's not crashing for the rebound, just taking off and Kevin Love hitting him. I think that could be pretty interesting. Yeah, and like I mean, is Love that? Much worse than Jeff Green on defense. I mean, yeah, that's kind of what Jeff. A little Green less did. athleticism, but I mean, it's not like Green was known for being a great defender by any means. Yeah, and Kevin Love's a little taller and probably a little smarter, so that's probably a pretty good comparison there. Because what Jeff Green was doing is he just helped so much by just having someone close to center size out there who could at least move his feet a little, which Kevin Love probably can't do. But you probably just, well, you'll figure that out in the playoffs. Like he'll still be fine in the regular season to. Be a positive, probably. Uh, but yeah, what I was getting at about the trade NBA, the tweet was by Frank Kaminsky Skittles. Um, that's his Twitter name. He's added to the, our thread with like uh, just people, other like the people's ideas. It was Nick Batum going to the Cavs, Rockets getting Kevin Love, and then the Hornets getting Eric Gordon and a few seconds. And, yeah, this is the glitch. I've seen a few trades that had Kevin Love going, or just I think it's just a few trades with Eric Gordon going out. But the Rockets are sending out 17 and taking in 32, so that doesn't work. But Yeah, I was going to say, like, how do they get to the Love without including Westbrook or Harden is the question, right? Yeah, so I don't know what's going on there. Because um, I've seen a few other tw- uh, tweets like that with trades – that had the Rockets that like Eric Eric Gordon was being sent out, but the Rockets were bringing back in way too much for that. But I think that is an interesting structure. 
I'm just bringing Kevin Love on to play with them. Okay, I think those are all my hardened ones. Um, yeah, the biggest problem is with a lot of these is like they don't have any matching salary unless it's uh, like players you want to keep. Like other than Gordon, who makes like 17, like they have nothing that isn't tied down. Like Covington at 12 is someone you're not going to want to just include randomly in any trade. Tucker at 8 million is not going to want to be included in any random trade. And then literally nobody else makes more than like $4 million besides Westbrook and Harden. Yeah, I know they last like the Rockets do not want to trade PJ Tucker at all, but I wouldn't completely rule it out. I actually, when I did my notes really? for this pod, when we thought we were going to be recording earlier, um, I didn't. I wasn't of that mindset, like just because I didn't really think about it. But I think I've just. Um, I, th- I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just I've seen him included in more trades on Twitter, and just with his extension coming up, and I think he actually is a big regression candidate. Like especially with the minutes he plays, like he hasn't missed a game I think in a few years, and just plays like super heavy minutes. And if he takes a step back, he's one of those guys who like. I mean, he'd still probably be a competent player just because of how hard he plays, and he still probably would be a good defender. But I think if he takes a step back, he could go to be, from being, like, very good role player to kind of just, like, not even, like, a starter. And he's got that extension coming up where I think he wants to get paid, so. Man, who's going to be your center, Ben McElmore? <laughs> I'm fine with it. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't, I'd be surprised, but you're probably more cued in than I am. Yeah, I might. I might actually do some look around and that see if there's not. I don't. There's not like rumors or anything, but to see what could happen with including him and in some things. So that didn't, that like didn't even cross my mind at all when I was looking into stuff. What real quick to add to that, I've seen some people say how they think House is like going to be traded now because of that. Which I don't, that would be very stupid to just like act like you're going to do that because you would not want to lose leverage. People would try and pull the, oh, he was on the minimum, all that, but for like till he was like 26 and barely was in the league card and you don't want him. So, like, why should we give you more than like a late second when in reality he's a two way above average? He's above average on both ends and he's like a six, seven athletic wing who can shoot, do all the important things very competent and on like a $3.5 million contract for two more years. I think that's a pretty valuable player. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be looking to move him, I guess, unless it somehow the chemistry was so bad and everyone just hated him for doing it. Cause it did seem a little flat after that whole news broke, but yeah, I, I didn't include him in any of my trades. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just throwing that out there. Um, you want to hear some of my Westbrook ones? Uh, yes, just real quickly, shout out to your power working tonight. That's, uh, that's, what, caused, that's what caused our delay from our initial schedule. <laughs> yeah, I ended up, we were like an hour and a half past when we were supposed to record. And I was about to fall asleep. My lights and TV just came blasting <laughs> off. That's hilarious. All right, All right, what do you got for Westbrook? So let me see. Which one do I want to start with? Okay, I'll go with one that I think it's so hard to gauge value because of like how some of his value is probably at an all-time low because of recency bias and things like that and i think that's going to be the like what you're going to say about all these like it's probably too much to give up for westbrook which is why like i think some of these i might actually be willing to use um like some of these i think i'd actually consider pretty hard um to like do for real but if it's like value is a problem i think i would actually consider 
throwing in that last first they have available. Because I mean, from what does Mori have to lose but throwing in the last first? Like, no, I mean, he's, he's not he, too long for the job. Yeah, I mean, he's going to stay for their contention window, and then I know he does not want to be there without when they're not contending. Like, who would want to work for for Tenda? Um Yeah, so some of these I think I'd actually consider throwing in that last first or Daniel House as a sweetener. But let me start with one I think is probably the most realistic. So what if you did uh, Otto Porter and one of the young bigs for Westbrook? Like Porter plus uh, Markinen or uh, Wendell Carter? Yeah. Yeah, I'm hanging up that call. (laughs) I mean, so the, the Bulls have like three point guards already. And like I don't know, like what, like what, what is in it for the Bulls? Just being like mediocre again? No, so that I think that is definitely a problem. Just that they have so many guards <laughs> already, and they're not really guards who play defense, and probably are the you'd want to pair with people. But I think the argument is maybe well, they probably been, I'd assume their new GM is more competent, so he wouldn't do something like this. Um, Levine, Levine and Westbrook together. <laughs> yeah, I think Kobe, the, and Kobe the, White. The only argument would be just, all right, we've been that we've been the had the seventh pick in the draft for too many years in a row. We need to give our fans something, be competent for a few years. I, I mean, just help them to chase the eight seed. I think that's a playoff team if they had Westbrook. I mean, especially if it works out close to getting what Westbrook was like when he was playing his best basketball. Um, and maybe it's like if you think extension talks are going terrible with Markinen and you want to maybe include him as it, just because you don't want to pay him. I don't know. I, think I mean, they, it might make more sense if it was like Levine and Porter. Like, I don't think they'd want to lose one of their bigs. Like, just because, I mean, they have those two bigs that are like supposedly sort of the cornerstone-ish yeah. of their new team. So this actually would be selling too low on Westbrook, and I don't there, I don't think there'd be any value to actually doing this because of just what his ceiling could be. But um, what if it was Porter and Daniel Gafford? Yeah, I mean, that's what I was going to say. I was like, well, what if it's just <laughs> what if it's just Porter? Uh, gosh. I mean, to me, for the Bulls, that just smells like them getting Dwayne Wade or Rajon Rondo past their prime, which I guess they did once already. But... I just see a really rocky fit with Levine. Like him and Levine, I mean, that's just like fighting for the ball. They both are primarily offense only. They both maybe shoot a little bit too much and are not that successful. I mean, Levine did shoot good percentages this year, but I don't know. I think I think this is not my favorite one. <laughs> yeah, it's not mine either. Um, but what if if the Rockets do like one or two of like the sweeteners, like House or the first, does that get you into the ballpark for it? I'm definitely not doing it at that point as the Rockets. Uh, I mean, maybe it's, I think I do, do Westbrook and House for like Porter and one of the bigs, but um, does that get you anywhere closer? I don't think so. I just think, I think maybe I'm a lower on Westbrook for $42 million, uh, 31 year old point guard. Yeah, that's rough. Um, so that's why this next one, though, it involves the swapping of a few bad contracts. So that maybe will be 
a little more open to this one. I don't think you're gonna like any of these. <laughs> I was gonna say you might hate mine just judging off of the. <laughs> well, I I knew this was gonna happen because I I'm just gonna for the sake of, for the fun of it I'm not gonna think of him with his worst possible trade value part really because I would never do any of those moves. They just I don't think that makes sense if you're looking at him from a low trade value because unless your goal is to just remain like swap him for a few role players and maybe like try to be keep your floor kind of high, but it's just. I don't think you'd trade uh, all-star level ceiling and second superstar ceiling for potential role players when his trade value is at all-time low because his contract and most recent performance. So I'm just, for the sake of the argument, I am considering it somewhat. I'm kind of bridging the gap a little bit, leaning towards uh, closer towards how he was playing at his peak this year um, with a little bit of calibration, I guess. But this next one is with Sacramento, and it's Buddy Heald, Rashawn Holmes, and Joseph. And this one, Corey Joseph, and this one is something I would be like, I'd just start with trying like Westbrook for that, but then I'd be willing to actually throw Bobby House and the pick at, because the way I'm looking at it is you're taking on Buddy and Corey Joseph's bad contracts in exchange for Westbrook's bad contract. And I just think Buddy Heald, he can't be worse then Westbrook on defense. And, I mean, just him next to Harden on offense, let's be like Ben McLemore on steroids. Like, Ben McLemore saw, like, enormous success. And then, I mean, I just think that'd be insane on offense, having Buddy shoot 12 threes a night. And just he's a legitimate – he could probably be a legitimate number two ball handler. Then the Rockets get a competent point guard in Joseph just to have a point guard on the roster. And he's a defensive-minded guy. And then – Holmes, they get their one center for the roster, and he's also a pick-and-roll guy so who made some real strides on defense this year, so I think he'd be real nice, like, starting spot sent, uh, 20 to 4 to 30-minute-a-night center guy, and then they can play small the rest of the time. Um, yeah, I know that's – I guess a lot of the value really would come down to how bad Sacramento would want to get off of Buddy Heald and Joseph, but what do you think? I actually like that one quite a bit. Nice. Uh, I have I have a Kings one down as well. It's a little bit different, but so you said Healed, Holmes, and Joseph. Yeah, and Joseph's probably negative value. Is what you're uh, I think yeah, he's like definitely. He's like seven, like seven million or something. Maybe. He's twelve. He's, uh, I think it'll be up to like thirteen. Yeah. Oh boy. Okay. Yeah. So then, in Holmes. Holmes is positive, but he's a pretty positive. No, yeah, I was just saying, like, who, who are the Kings replacing with? Just, like, yeah, Bagley at the five? Yeah, that's... Um, Bielitsa and Bagley kind of playing up a little bit. Yeah, maybe you probably could swap Bielitsa for Holmes. And I played around with that some, but I was just like, I don't know. I just would really want... my per- my I'd prefer Holmes, so that's just kind of what I wrote down. But I think from the Sac- Sacramento's point of view, they'd prefer, Biel- they'd prefer to trade Bielitsa. Yeah. Um, no, I think that one, for value-wise, is pretty close. I guess you're just... I, the only thing I worry about is, like, De'Aaron Fox is like kind of like your star that you're trying to foster, right? And just having another primary ball handler next to him is maybe yeah. not their first choice, but... Yeah, I don't think it'd be their first choice, but that would just be such a dynamic transition backcourt. Right. And then if you switch to Bagley at the five more, I mean, that'd be probably one of the fastest teams 
I mean, Patriot of all time, Westbrook and Fox are your one and two, and having Marvin Bagley as your center, whoever else you fill in with Harrison Barnes, I guess. Yeah, there's actually a lot of interesting things you can play around with Sacramento. Like maybe if, if you used Harrison Barnes as the starting uh, salary instead of Buddy, and if they'd be Elisa. Um, but I guess you so, said you're never. So. Yeah, so I actually just have Heald and Barnes for Westbrook. Oh, yeah, I'm doing that in a heartbeat as the Rockets. I too, mean, yeah, too, too much. I mean, well, I think Sacramento thinks pretty high of Barnes because they traded for him. Like, they basically could have chose between him and Otto Porter at the time and chose him and then gave him a pretty nice contract extension. And I think he's just been, like, a really good, like, vet there. And what if you have they, to throw in a house? I mean, yeah, I think I'm still probably doing that because, I mean, Barnes essentially would re- not replace house. They bring different skill sets, but minutes-wise, I mean, I think you're perfectly fine to eat those minutes. Yeah, I was just looking at the Kings, like, gutting two wings. Like, they're probably yeah. fine gutting one, but maybe not maybe two as much. But I don't the know. Thing- I- that's so with Buddy too. Like, I just think that offense beside him, beside Harden, I mean, he'd be completely optimized as a rocket. He's literally gonna have the freedom to shoot. Well, we'll see with the new coach, I guess. But I mean, I still don't see them making drastic changes. So he's still gonna be. I can see him letting it fly from three and just at putting like one of the best shooters in the league beside Harden, making it that much harder to guard him. Um, I mean, just opening, like, having, it's going to be that much harder to trap him if you have, like, a 40-plus percent three-point shooter beside him who's definitely going to let it fly, and he can legitimately get his own shot all the time. Um, yeah, he's almost like a souped-up Ben McElmore, who also a two-guard from the Kings, uh, just even better shooter, yeah. and he can actually dribble a little bit, Buddy Heald, you know, he, he can make a player too, and... Yeah, I mean, when he's going, like, 42 44% from deep, you could see with Harden creating all that space, and then uh, your 5 out with shooters everywhere. Yeah, and the Kings haven't made the playoffs in, like, what, like, 16 years? Like, the, they, I think they have the longest drought. So maybe they just get big eyes for a star like Westbrook. I mean, I probably still wouldn't want to do this if I was the Kings, but if you include a house, and then... Maybe I don't know, maybe not the first round pick. Well, wait, didn't they just hire a Houston guy as their GM? I think they hired Houston's assistant GM, and because I saw the tweet, it was like Houston's made deals with all their like people who have left them. Like they made the deal with Minnesota, and uh, maybe it was one other guy. But I think they did just uh, hire the Houston assistant. Uh yes, Monty McNair, uh, former Rockets exec. Yeah, you are correct. Um, no. The next team I'm going to get to, too, is kind of similar to Sacramento to where there's just – there's a lot of structures. Like, there's a lot of different ways they can go. Like, I think you could build a package around Barnes that I'd be pretty interested in. But I guess from their point of view, maybe if they – there'd be another move for Buddy, but just you wouldn't want to have the four guards in the roster because I'm assuming they'll bring Bogey back. But, um, yeah, just – you could do maybe – I mean, you could find something around Barnes. I think I'd, I'd like maybe like Barnes and Holmes or maybe if you just say like Buddy and Bielitsa only. Like I think there's a lot of combinations you can play with. And and all these just all these guards, I, I think getting off of Corey Joseph would be a positive just because it's a negative contract and they have plenty of guards on their teams at this point. So I guess, it, yeah, it really just depend, comes down to like how toxic they feel that – Buddy contract is, and same thing with Joseph, and it's just like how dry the potential trade market could be for Buddy Hill, because that's gonna be a really interesting one, because he's like, gives has the best skill you can have in the league, 
and he can get his own shot. But it's just like he's on a pretty long contract for a lot of money. So it'll be really interesting to see how teams value that. For sure. Well, Buddy's going to the Lakers for uh, Danny Green, a first-round pick, remember? Is, isn't that one we talked about? Yeah. Is that, that's the one. Is that the one I came up with, or did you come up with them? Uh, I think I think like I came up with healed the Lakers, and then you made it more specific, or like yeah, you I, like I think, added on or something, or just, yeah, I think it was or maybe we were each talked about, about it. like Buddy healed to somewhere, then uh, Danny Green to somewhere, and then you like merge them together. I think that was maybe it. Yeah, I think that's I think you might have been talking about healed, but then I was like, well, wait a second, what if we did Green for him? What pod was that even on? Because we didn't haven't done the Kings or the Lakers. Um, it was. I don't know. We could put the research team on it. It was. Yeah. We'll get the interns. Oh, it was like it was like salary dumping and like because Danny oh, Green yeah. just got like the somewhat big deal from the Lakers last season and he kind of is underwhelmed and I would say that's still true after watching uh, three rounds of playoffs. Yeah. Um, okay, so the next team. I'm just going to go about this one from a team point of view is the Pacers. And there's like seven play Pacers, I think, I'd like as Rockets and just like a lot, kind of like the Kings, a lot of different structures that they can go about. Did you have anything with them down? Uh, I don't think I did, no. Okay, well, so obviously they have the two big men and I don't see them. I mean, I don't know if they'll do it over the deadline, but I think or uh, over the summer, it might wait till the deadline. But I just think eventually a move's coming for one of them. And I think Miles Turner would be make a lot of sense in Houston. Uh, like Brogdon and Oladipo there. Also, Justin Holiday. Doesn't he have a player option? I think that's – he has a player option, but he might hit free agency. I don't know. But uh, he's just someone I wrote down. It's like there. If McDermott's money is necessary, I'd really like him there. I don't think any deal – there's probably no deal that you could get Warren to be involved in, but I would definitely like him as a Rocket. So, I guess, and I think, like, the Pacers are actually, like, one of the, not, I don't really think any of these are that realistic, but I think they're, like, the most logical team, I guess, as a rust destination I can think of, um, at an early set of the ones we've discussed, just because they, they definitely value being, like, a playoff team, like, they try to like that's just like how they're run like they have cheap owners or and just not, i don't even know if i'll call it cheap owners i just think they're like just not as they don't have as much money and they're like they really value making the playoffs and things like that and just being solid and they definitely need a change up might bring in a new offensive-minded coach i think this actually is a somewhat realistic destination for westbrook so like this is kind of like the Kings. I don't know where I'd st- – like, yeah, I guess it just depends on how each team's value the guys. But if you could start something around Miles Turner, Oladipo, or Brogdon, I would probably be willing to give up a lot as the Rockets. For any one of them or – Well, it's like they all make basically half of what Westbrook makes. So there need, need to be like more money. Like maybe use Jeremy Lamb. You don't even know if – when he'll be able to play again. If he's healthy, he'd definitely be a nice like piece to even up value. So you'd you'd be what if you could do um like Lamb or McDermott and all the depot for Westbrook? You'd be you'd be down for that? Yeah. I thought you were all scared of all the depots, uh I am. And, uh, I'm very I'm very scared of that 
<laughs> but the thing, the way I view it is just like if Westbrook shot better off the ball and was a way better defender, like that's just kind of how I'm viewing it. Like his his defense in the playoffs is it is not. I don't even know what what to call it because like this is something we talked about. Uh, one of our playoff catchups. It's like he'll just stand watching the ball for like five seconds and realize that his man got wide open. Or he'll do the thing where he just starts randomly, casually walking to the paint, like not helping. And he's like not walking to the paint to help. He just starts walking to the paint and he leaves his man wide open or someone gets a light beside him. And he just, it's, his mistakes are so costly. It's not just like, oh, I got beat off the dribble once or twice, or like I get beat off the dribble too often. It's like, I give up layups and wide open threes because of my mental lapses and things like that. Trust me, I coach eighth graders. I have to deal with that a lot. It drives me insane. Um, but yeah, like his like mistakes are so costly on defense. And then just add in the other stuff too. Like he's not like the best on ball defender, and like he's not the best when he's actually trying to. So I'm just like, okay, well, let's say if Old Depot was in that spot, even if he's hurt, I don't know. I don't know if I, I can't attest to this personally, but like I think it was like Nate Duncan was saying how good his defense was when he got back like surprisingly he was still like an elite defender his offense was pretty bad but I mean if Oladipo can be close to what Westbrook is now which I don't think is that crazy of a thought and then just be miles better defensively like I mean I really like that setup and if in this scenario you're getting one more competent role player from the uh from the Pacers just getting one deeper and they have a lot of like people I think would be nice in the team like I said I mean, yeah, I think I'd really do that. Yeah, that's interesting. I think that what you said about the Pacers making Westbrook a somewhat decent candidate, uh, I think I agree with a lot of that. You know, they love making the playoffs. They I mean, they actually could use, like, Brogdon would be fine to slide over to the two and covers a lot of best. gaps. What's that? I said that's probably where he's best, being your second ball handler. Right. That, yeah. is, that is where he's best, second or third ball handler. And I could see Turner and Westbrook doing well in, like, pick and rolls. And Turner gives a little spacing that Westbrook does not provide. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, the only thing is, like, he just makes so much money that I don't know if the Pacers would want to be, like, adding money. Because I'm guessing, like, even McDermott or Lamb plus all the depot is still – Westbrook is still going to be taking on money for the Pacers. And I think they have a decent amount of salary already on the books. Yeah, the only – uh, counter to that is Oladipo about to be extension eligible. True, true. So yeah, so maybe they consider but, it. But there are plenty of routes to trading him to save money also, so those will be yeah. in play. Um, but yeah, I think that actually is a pretty logical destination for Westbrook, as logical basically as you can create for one. I mean, that's the type of team he needs to go to, like someone who wants to continue to be good, um, probably doesn't really care about being great and could use a little extra shot creation. And actually, when you were going through it too, the roster construction makes some sense. Like Brogdon's your number two ball handler and doing some spotting up off the ball. Miles Turner picking and popping, giving Westbrook more space to get to the basket. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. All right, so I guess I have one more team that kind of fits the same category as the last few teams where I just see a few different potential deals and that's the magic and um well yeah i guess i'll just get to that one later so with the magic um they got a few players i'd like and what makes it actually really interesting too is 
I think Vucevic would be pretty interesting on the Rockets for a lot of the reasons Kevin Love would be, and just giving them a center on their roster. Like I think you can definitely do worse. And if we're looking at this team, I mean, I still think next year, let's say they get a center, do whatever. Like I still think they're still like a championship ceiling type team, just because if everything hits right, and if maybe some of the other contenders aren't there, but like. I mean, if you look at probably the expected outcome, they're probably like a second-round type team. And, I mean, I would think even if you have a center or someone with defense liability, that probably doesn't hurt that outcome that much if he's a decent offensive player. So I think Vooch makes some sense there. Aaron Gordon makes sense there. Terrence Ross would be like a good uh, filler salary if you go for like Aaron Gordon. So... It does. The only thing that gets a little weird, though, is the fact that the Magic have Markel Fultz, who's basically a non-shooter plus Westbrook. So that probably makes it tough. Um, but just value-wise, I think Aaron Gordon and Terrence Ross, maybe, for Westbrook. Yeah, so I had the Magic trade, and I had Aaron Gordon and Terrence Ross for Westbrook, or Gordon and Fultz for Westbrook. So, like, the same thing that you were just saying, because I don't know if Fultz and Westbrook would be good together. Yeah, I think there's no way they'd um, give up Fultz. I think they're pretty high on him, but, yeah, that is funny. We both had that one down. Yeah, but Gordon and Ross, I mean, gives him another shooter. Gets obviously rid of Westbrook. It brings in Gordon, who could play some center. He can shoot a little bit, play make a little bit. Play Gordon defense. would be super interesting. Like I don't think they'll do it anymore, but kind of like be basically being. I think like like I said, I think they'll like eventually add a center or two. But um, he'd be he would have been super interesting on this year's Rockets. Like, I don't know. Let's just say for the sake of argument, you replace. Let's just say you add him to the team. Just like looking at how he'd fit in. Like, he'd basically be able to do, like, I think he'd be doing what Jeff Green was doing, just, like, a little, like, a more dynamic version. Like, just being an, like, insane role man, even though he's not, like, a, set, a stretch seven-foot center type. Like, maybe you give him at the free throw line, takes one dribble and, like, throws it down, like Jeff Green did a lot. Um, yeah, it'd be a great pick-and-roll partner with James Harden. Uh, still gives you enough space in, so you can't completely leave him. And just giving him all the space and letting him play in a little bit more of a like offense that like a lot more of an offense that makes sense for him too. So maybe you can get a better version of him on top of like the potential like fit. So yeah, I think Gordon would be really interesting as a rocket. Yeah, yeah, I like that one. Considering I had the exact same trade. <laughs> yeah, then just get a little offensive firepower and a wing size guy and Terrence Ross coming off the bench. Um. So that's like the last thing I had involving Westbrook. Did you have anything else? Oh yeah, I have a few more. So in this is yeah, I mean you probably won't like it, but this is more in like just get him out of town salary dump, but not not purely salary dump. So like what about to the Knicks if you could get Mitchell Robinson and any other body like um like Reggie Bullock maybe we'll say. Yeah, I mean, getting Mitchell Robinson back makes it interesting. Um, I don't think I'd do it, just because I don't think Robinson helps at all to start a rebuild, and then you're not going to be good enough to contend now. But if it's a get-him-out-of-town thing, yeah, I mean, that does make it a little bit more interesting if somehow the circumstances came down to that. What would be the salary for, like, Julius Randle? Or I guess the next yeah, one. Well, the Knicks, have a, yeah. the Knicks have all this room, like, dude. 
I mean, Fortito would love this trade, right? Like, that's like $34 million straight into his pocket. Is that a, would that be one trade exception too? <laughs> uh, yeah, it should be. I'm a little, I'm not fresh on my trade exception rules right now. <laughs> yeah, me either. I need, to, I need to read up too deep into the playoffs. So yeah, you probably wouldn't do that one. That's just more of a salary dump. I mean, the Knicks are always rumored for Chris Paul. Like, maybe they like Westbrook as well. He's a little bit younger. Yeah, um, we had one person respond, though, with a Nick Westbrook trade, too. It's from Thomas DeMartino, and he had Westbrook going to the Rocket or to the Knicks in exchange for Randall, Portis, Frank Nilakina, Damian Dotson, and R.J. Barrett. That is a lot. That's a, lot. That's a big haul. <laughs> yeah, I guess the uh, since... In this version, the Knicks aren't just using cap space; they're making the Rockets take on um, take on. So this that's something like this goes to like when we did the Knicks pod though, like how like I had them picking up Portis's option to include it, but then I was like, well, I guess that doesn't really help anyone. Yeah, you could just let the other team save the money, which I'm sure the Rockets would do anyway. So if I'm looking at it just like that, Randall. Okay, maybe they view him as somewhat of a negative than Nilakina, Dotson, and Barrett. I think that doesn't actually can't even be involved in trade. He'll be a restricted free agent. But I think the idea, I don't think the Knicks would do this, um, but the idea of getting R.J. Barrett to the Rockets is kind of interesting. Just maybe put him with a ton of space, let him play off of Harden as a number two ball hitter, kind of like what I talked about in his pod, or in their pod. I was like, oh, I think he actually, based off his like work ethic and just like some of how he's like really good at attacking closeouts, maybe he could develop skill and then just on top of the skill he has and actually be a pretty good number two at some point um but yeah maybe just putting him in spacing and stuff like that i think actually like him on the rockets would be pretty interesting if you're somehow was able to structure a deal to where you're still like playing for the now um yeah that's all i really had on that just wanted to add that like rj barrett as a rocket okay um let's see what it was next what about what about if you traded with the Bucks? If you got George Hill, Eric Bledsoe, who they want to run out of town, and Ilya Silva, his partial salary filler and also just another body, uh, for for Westbrook and Macklemore. So oh, you can't, point guards? can't include Macklemore. Why is that? I mean, actually, like, does he have to be in there for salary or for bodies? Uh. I think no, I don't think for salary. I think yeah, not just the Bucks want to be title contenders oh. also, and like they're losing three bodies, and they're also cheap. So having someone cost control that a low number would be good for them. Yeah. But what do you think say, about just like bringing the two point guards? Who I mean, George Hill obviously can actually shoot. Eric Bledsoe gives you some defensive presence and. He's good during the regular season, and that's about it. Uh, obviously, gets Westbrook out. No, I definitely like the structure that, like you said, like the Gordon, or not Gordon, um, Hill and Bledsoe both would fit real nice next to Harden, but just like in completely different ways. And it'd be nice to have like kind of just a, it's not not like veteran, but I guess uh, a smart, just like kind of just. Competent, a steady presence. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, just have like a steady presence in George Hill, and then Bledsoe could give you some whatever he gives you an office. That'd be yeah. <laughs> maybe. I mean, he's, I mean, he's still good, right? Like he just has. 
I don't know. Playoffs are not his jam, which obviously is a big deal. But I mean, he's, he's not a, worthless. Yeah, he's an elite guard defender still too. So I mean, he's a very good guard defender. Fit in nice there. Georgia, another good defender, great shooter, uh, steady guy. Uh, Elie be wouldn't be useless. Like he'd definitely be able to like, give you some spot minutes. Yeah, I mean, I like the structure of that. I don't think it's enough for me to actually do the trade just because I think uh, that team, you're probably, you might raise the, I, mean, I don't even know if you're raising the floor. I think the ceiling definitely significantly lower, though, with that roster. Well, I mean, I say that, but in the games where, like, the game six against Thunder and game two when uh, against Lakers, when Westbrook just completely killed them, like, having just a good shooter, like... George, George Hill's not going to yeah. kill you. Oh, yeah, and George... I'm Because part of the problem was, like, yeah, he missed, like, 18 shots and had seven turnovers and did nothing good with the ball at any point. But on top of all that, when they trapped Harden, and this is, like, really probably because his quad wasn't right, he'd catch the ball, like how I said, and when he was going crazy in the regular season, he'd catch it on the move, one dribble, go up strong. But now he'd catch it, hold look around for like three seconds and then they, oh, I guess I got to shoot it now because no one is guarding me. Like just having a halfway good per, like shooter out there, but Georgia also led the league in three-point shooting this year. So if you had Hill there and just getting the way better defense just because Westbrook has the bar so low, I mean, maybe you can still be a conference finals team if everything hits right with them. Do you think the Bucks would do this? Maybe as a last, like... If they strike out on Chris Paul, which I bet you could do the exact same deal for Chris Paul, maybe. Oh, um, yeah. But, I mean, I definitely, as the Bucks, rather have Chris Paul. Uh, just spacing, and they need some, like they really need someone who you trust with the ball more. Yeah, but like this, the, Thunder, the Thunder wouldn't have any reason to have George Hill and Eric Bledsoe. Like, well, I guess, to them. I, I, I just in my mind was already thinking how the Thunder were already rerouting them for like picks or just oh. more another team was involved. Yeah. I think Bledsoe and... You might I mean, not be able to reroute Bledsoe for too much. I, yeah, I don't think he's negative, though, but... No, I know, but like, I don't know. If other that many teams chopping at the bit to get him. There's a lot of good point cards in the league, and he makes like, what, 18, 20 million? Nah, I think he signed like four for seventy, and it's like the last year's not guaranteed, and that's about to. Yeah, well, I think he may. I think next year is like seventeen. Oh, okay, yeah, a little harder than I thought. Um, but yeah, a little lower than I said. But... Uh, oh, anyway, forget about rerouting it, but uh, just the Bucks. I mean, the problem is obviously that's another non-shooter, but the Bucks like. If if they if they walled off Giannis, like they didn't really have any answers, any great answers in the playoffs, and like Westbrook, when he's going, I mean, he can get you yeah. twenty eight points. He can get you to the bucket. He can get he can create plays. Yeah, that's actually uh, how I was gonna finish my thought. Like, if I don't think I can get Chris Paul, or I don't know what do better is right now because I haven't like looked into it for the Bucks. But I mean, I don't think that's like maybe that, that might be like my third or fourth like. Big like pops on my big board. Like I think I would definitely be open to getting Westbrook because one that like you know how players are like how players think like be honest with you, okay you got me Westbrook like I told you to get me someone now I'm like more interested in staying because you got me Westbrook and um like players will always like view will take forever for to notice that other superstars like aren't really as good anymore um 
See, I think that definitely make Giannis happy. But and like you said too, like they already have what's up. They're clogging up all their space and doing terrible on offense. Like Westbrook can at least get to the basket way better than Bledsoe and like give you like way more way more of a hope. And I mean, I'm fine to sacrifice George Hill for that. Like, I mean, he's probably a huge regression candidate anyway. Like, I mean, he led the league in three point shooting. He'll probably drop off and maybe lose a little athleticism and just not really be that good anymore. I mean, I think this will be good, but. If he loses athleticism on top of regression, I mean, that's not that good of a player, honestly. Um, yeah, I definitely like that from the Bucks' point of view. I would probably try and do one, two other things first, but I really like that as, like, my third option. And you didn't – and you sort of liked it as a Rockets yeah. perspective too, right? All right, I'm going to consider that a win. Um, let me hit you with another one. I think you maybe go a little bit quicker. This one is kind of for comedy's sake, but uh, what about to the Thunder? So for Schroeder and Steven Adams. So they both have one year left, and it's almost like getting off of Westbrook, but like Schroeder, I don't know, maybe he's less damaging in certain spots than Westbrook would be, and getting a center. I understand that's completely against what the Rockets want to play like, but you got you got to get one. Like they got to. You have to have somebody, center. right? Like even if even like you could even play him like sixteen minutes a game only, or like only situate situationally play him, like play him against uh, whatever. Uh, uh, Embiid comes into town, and you're you're gonna play him for twenty six minutes instead. But I don't know. It was just funny. Back to the Thunder and. Shortening up the deal, they each only have one year left. Yeah, would you consider that? Eh, I don't know if I consider it, but I mean, yeah, I completely agree with your logic behind it. it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I guess the Thunder wouldn't really want much to do with Westbrook uh, unless they could re revamp his value and move him again for some extra picks. Probably, but, yeah. um, what about? What about if you could get uh, Kyle Lowry? That's very interesting. Someone tweeted about um, the who would be like the best like co- co-star next, like somewhat reasonable who could be hit the market next to Harden, who would be like the best co-star, and that was one of the ones I brought up. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I have Westbrook and a first for Lowry and Macaw, I think, to make the money work. So I guess it's 2021 first. Because, I mean, the Raptors, I mean, I I guess I don't know who has more value in a vacuum. I guess I kind of thought Lowry, he just does all the little things. He's kind of, I guess, proven it in the playoffs now. And he's just yeah. such much better fit next to Harden. Well, that's that's a very interesting, like, um, dairy question, just who has more value. Because it's like Westbrook, terrible contract. But it's still, you're getting that player for so much longer than what you'd be getting Lowry for who's it's just like yeah it's like slightly overpriced for one year I mean yeah I mean it's fine from a value point but it's like well if we only get this player one year he can leave like I mean I don't know if I'd want to give up too much for that and but also it's I think they're they're doing the um, during the Giannis sweepstakes for summer twenty or off season twenty one. So I don't think they would want any money going forward. The Raptors. Yeah. Well, what if Giannis signs the Supermax? Then, I mean, that that'd be pretty. Interesting. I don't, I think they'd have to consider it. Like Westbrook in a pick for Lowry. 
extend their window a little more. They lack like some firepower in the playoffs. Like their half court offense was like one of the worst uh, among the teams to make the playoffs. Um, yeah, just, I know Lowry is like a legend there, but like they almost blew up this team like three years ago. And uh, Masai will seemingly trade anyone if if he thinks this makes his team better, puts him in a better spot. I don't know. I think it's interesting. Yeah, it'd be interesting too to see Westbrook in another like trade like that where he's uh, just going for another like older point guard who makes <laughs> a lot of money. Just um. speaking of, I have one more of those. Unless you're gonna continue on the Raptors. No, but I'll add one quick thing, kind of touching back to what I said, or how I said I saw that tweet with um, the app talking about just like ideal people to pair with Harden. One person who I actually, I should have said this like five minutes ago, thought of was Chris Middleton. And I would have never said he thought he was available, but you on our very first pod was like, <laughs> you know, what if the Bucks flame out and. All this happens, and Chris Middleton would make a lot of sense in the Hawks. Like, oh, yeah, I didn't even think about that at all, but I actually like that. And I think there's, like, a 1% chance that he would get moved this offseason. Like, if you play this offseason 100 times, he probably only gets traded one time in it. <laughs> but if Giannis doesn't sign, and, um, yeah, if Giannis doesn't sign, I don't know how you convince the Bucks to do it, but Westbrook house on a pick or something i don't know but i think middleton would be a really interesting co-star just adding another super long guy so if the rockets do continue to play small more often and great off-ball shooter very good at like getting into the mid-range yeah, he's one of the best mid-range shooters in the league which is would be so nice to like uh, compliment Harden considering his um woes sometimes of just creating one bucket just having like a chris middleton who believe it or not is a legitimate bucket getter um, next to Harden, Ange being a great off-ball shooter, good, uh, competent defender, and good size. I think he's actually really interesting next to Harden. Yeah, I love Middleton, but I, I just don't know how you would get the Bucks to sign off on that. Yeah. If only they had a few first line around. <laughs> yeah, if only they had Chris Paul. Uh, all right, uh, so one more like that. What about Westbrook for Conley? Um, I don't know. So the ceiling? That, that's kind of like the, I guess the conversation we just had too, like, would you take uh, the one who's on the shorter contract just because it's a better contract value? Or would you rather keep the one who's probably higher risk of injury and falling off, but you also have for a lot longer time? I think well, this is like, this is like a play to win the title next year. Like this isn't a long-term play clearly. Yeah. But I, I don't know, like, is it, is that even a play to win the title next year? Like, it, do you think well, that's be better? Theory, that, I mean, that's what I'm asking. Like, it's yeah. not a play for 2023, clearly. Yeah, that's the thing. I just don't think that you can talk yourself into Mike Conley being that much better than Westbrook to where you'd want him. Like, I don't even know if you can talk yourself into him being better at all, but just to say he's that, like, materially better to where you would rather just give up the last three years of two or three years of Westbrook that you get over Conley. Yeah. All right. Well, that, I mean, that's yeah, that's similar to the Chris Paul one, but, uh, but yeah, I don't think that's on, that's actually realistic. Do you have more? Oh, you said you had no more Westbrook's. All right, we'll go Westbrook deals. Let's go quickly. So what about, what about for Blake Griffin? I can't remember if we talked about this one on the we, Detroit pod. Do we? 
I don't think we did, but uh, some the draft class Twitter group chat. That's uh, one they brought up. Okay. I I don't like it for really either team because I mean for the really? Pistons, kind of like how we talked about with them, we're like, well, the way they set up, you got Blake Griffin coming off injury, and you got cap space and a few interesting young guys. But Blake Griffin's contract will be up soon, so might as well just try and be good, and see what happens, and then if not, you naturally transition into a rebuild. I just don't see what the value would be. That's that's fair. Why don't you like it for the Rockets? Uh, I mean, well, he, Blake Griffin played like 16 games last year, and he couldn't play in the playoffs the year before when they actually made it. And I just don't like the idea of adding that other big without having your second person who can dribble. <laughs> like, what? what I are mean, they Blake can Blake can dribble. Blake can shoot. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm just so much bigger on like, which I'm kind of getting burned on this now like with anthony davis like being so legit right now but he's also shooting an insane percentage <laughs> on jump shots um but yeah just like not having a second person who can like a guard who can get into the teeth of a defense like i just always felt like that was i just feel like that's like so important i don't know if i can trust trusted to be a big man who also like i can't trust to even be around when the playoffs come well, not like Westbrook is exactly around and thriving in the playoffs, but fair, fair enough. Yeah, that's the that is a very fair point. Um, what about? I'll try to go quicker. We have what about what about Malik Monk, Devonte Graham, Nick Batum? That is interesting. Um, you get your guard that can. Uh, Rain threes, you get a little bit of a flyer in Monk, who is supposed to be a shooter, another wing. And then Batum is obviously just salary, but he actually might play on the Rockets. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I definitely like that. I mean, for all the reasons you said, that's actually pretty interesting. It makes a lot of sense. What Houston saves a little cash. They uh, get a little shooter and a flyer, and the Hornets just love to be relevant. I mean, see yeah. Kemba 2018, they refuse to trade him. Like, they just love uh, being in the mix. Do you have any more for Westbrook? Yeah, so what about... Oh, I saw this floated around. It's probably not not uh, any legs to it, but what about Westbrook and a first for Paul George? Because <laughs> the Clippers have no chemistry. They actually could <laughs> use a point guard. And then obviously the Rockets are uh, straight wing, straight three and D. Yeah, and then like how I said, people love to exaggerate, which I mean, sometimes they do make fair points, but talk about Harden's playoff woes, but then couple that with Paul George and how much Twitter has been dunking on him lately, <laughs> that'd be, I guess, probably the two biggest chokers like in right, the league. They could, split, they, could, they could share the blame a little bit. Yeah, but ironically, it's like they're the perfect just basketball fit next to each other when you consider how the Rockets want to play, too. Um I, I would do that as the Rockets. Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> I can't imagine the Clippers doing it, but it, it's entertaining a little bit to think about. Uh, that's pretty much all. So I actually did go through some Gordon ones since I was thinking how he might actually end up being a real cap casualty, and we'll run through these pretty quick. Going back to the Pacers, um, on like a smaller scale deal, now I'm looking at just like trying to get Turner. What if you did like Gordon... What else do you think needs to be added to Eric Gordon to get you Miles Turner? 
you think like uh, I guess the only two options are like House and the Pick. Harden. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I don't know. See, I and, like Turner. Right, I, I think say, I like Turner more yeah, than the Pacers do. Was, so that's always say, a problem. You got to calibrate a little, considering. Um, I know you're bigger on Turner than. They're just getting like older though, and I mean, I guess they're clearing up their bigs. I don't know. Like, is Gordon that exciting to a random mediocre team? I mean, he's a really good player. Like, he's very good defender. He showed that with like how versatile he had to be with the Rockets. But his shot was on and off when it came back. But he was getting to the basket. Like, I mean, what is so long ago at this point? But the eighteen nineteen um, playoffs when the Rockets were playing the Warriors. Like, part of the thing, like, Chris Paul was really, like, struggling to beat people at the dribble, like, something I've talked about a lot. Eric Gordon was a monster getting to the basket then. Like, I mean, like, I just remember his herky-jerky, like, one, two dribbles between his legs, getting all the way to the basket, finishing over KD and stuff like that. Like, they did a lot of, like, pushing the ball and made baskets to him. Like, he just, they'd swing it up to him at, like, half court. He'd take, like, two dribbles and just fly into the basket. Like, he definitely rekindled some of that. He missed a few shots around the rim, so I think his... Numbers wouldn't quite support it, but he was getting the basket better, like the best I'd seen him seen him do in a year and a half. And when his shots there, he's a pretty good shooter from a decent shooter, but shoots super high volume, gives you lots of space, and very good defender. And you get him for four years, like a uh, little overpaid, but you do get him for four years. Yeah, I I do like Gordon as a player. I just think the age difference, like you're getting like six years older, and like I said, I like Turner more than maybe the Pacers do. Um, but no, I, I, I like Gordon, the player. It's just like the age and the contract compared to Turner is not really going to... So what about, what about Gordon and House? I think the Pacers, I mean, they could probably use another small forward size guy. Maybe, but also if I'm trading Turner for like uh, wings or scoring or just a, not another big, I maybe would fail to find something better. I'd have to go through it, but... I don't hate it for just, like, the value. And if you're saying you're picking Sabonis over Turner, but I would hope to do maybe a little bit better. Yeah, that's a good point, too, that I think if it's known that one of the bigs is available, you're probably going to find a better offer. But if you just look at it in a vacuum, I think this is a solid offer. Um, okay, so I have two more. We'll do one. It's a interesting little challenge trade. Uh, Eric Gordon for Aaron Gordon. I mean, they both make sense uh, switching places. Like, all the reasons we've talked about already with the Aaron Gordon on the Rockets, but then Eric Gordon, I mean, the Magic can always get more shooting, and their defense-minded team, too, get more defense, and he gives you shot creation. It's like if Terrence Ross could actually defend. Yeah, if if Isaac was healthy, maybe it'd be more on board. Because Gordon, I mean, they're def- Gordon is definitely useful to the Magic. And- yeah. Both of three and four. I mean, I yeah, I like it a little bit. Yeah, I like Isaac, it more for the Rockets. With, yeah, with Isaac being out too, and the even though they made the playoffs, the Magic kind of taking a, what seemed like a slight step back probably makes a little less sense for them to trade for the younger guy and to lose one of their forwards, but or for the older guy. Um, but yeah, it's, I think they both just would be interesting and make a lot of sense on the other team. But when you come down to like random little things like that, the value probably is a little too skewed. So this one is actually, I think, the most realistic trade I have um, that's of the whole pod. And oh, you saved it. I saved it for the end for the 
one person who's probably still listening. Is anyone still home? <laughs> Let's hear it. All right. So it's with the Nets. You got Torian Prince and Jared Allen for Eric Gordon. So with the idea here being um, the Nets, I mean, they need defense at any wing position they can get. They need good complementary players to play next to stars. I mean, Eric Gordon is the definition of both. Uh, it's like he is that to a T. And it's like the t- perfect type of role player, too, to put next to your guys because he's not someone who's like, oh, yeah, kind of like George Hill. Where it's like, yeah, he'll shoot three or four threes a night. And if he's wide open, he'll let it fly. He'll make a really good percentage. No, he's going to let it fly. <laughs> like, and that's what you need. You need someone who's going to really get respect from defense and who the defense knows is a real threat to shoot. So I think he'd be great next to those two. Uh, you'll get him for the life of his contract and for the life of your superstars. Um, you get off Torian Prince, which I'm pretty sure that contract was used just to sign, uh, just to trade, or that contract was signed just to trade. Um, and for the Rockets, I mean, you get a starting competent center get, who actually does have a little bit of shooting to explore, but he's a good defensive person, probably be real, real nice with Harden and pick and roll. Then Torian Prince is just another body at the forward spot who's disappointed, been pretty bad on defense, but he lets it fly from threes. Had some really good shooting seasons. Maybe you get him to play a little bit more defense, but just he could be a a forward coming off the bench and do just fine, probably. Yeah, I like it. I like it for Houston for sure. So the Nets are piling up a decent amount of guards. I mean, Gordon Gordon can slide to the three a little bit, or are they trading? Are they trading Levert in this scenario? Maybe, but. Yeah, maybe if you use that, and then you use like that one trade type like Levert for um, like Kelly Oubre or something like that. Then you so you got like the forming of a death lineup actually coming if you get like a two like two way like guys who can play with KD and Kyrie at the same time. Remember that's something we talked about. How it's like what you don't even have any reason to create a death lineup because you just don't have the personnel for it. Um, right. But yeah, I, I guess they do get pretty heavy on guards, but. Kyrie, Dinwiddie, Levert, Gordon, and then but Durant. You, but you got like Gordon and Joe Harris and like Durant, Levert. You can probably get away with playing three of them at a time a lot. Um, so what actually might make this deal like more legit is including House in this one because then the I mean then he'd probably be like the number one. He wouldn't. I don't think he'd start, but he'd definitely give them a. It'd be their best defensive wing, their best option to put on other teams' defensive. Uh, uh, I, my brain's fried. <laughs> It'd be their best defensive option for other teams' wings, and you get like an like basically in two wings, two shooters to put next to those guys. Then it gets a little tough for me for the Rockets to do it, but I might would be willing to do that just for the switch up and to get a little younger. Yeah, can the Rockets get Jamal Crawford thrown in that deal too? <laughs> That's a deal breaker. <laughs> no, I, I like it a little bit. I just, like I said, there's a lot of guards there all of a sudden, but I mean, depth is important. Certainly, I just, you got to give uh, DeAndre Jordan his 28 minutes a game, of course. Uh, maybe in Durant's obviously going to be locked in. So you really only have three spots to play with, and Kyrie's going to want 36 minutes. Uh, but all, all those guys are injury risks as well. I mean, Gordon, too, a little bit lately. But, yeah, I I think you could 
I think you could start something there. It, I mean, just the Nets, if they're rational, I'm not trading Jared Allen unless I'm getting something like perfect for my team. But yeah. maybe they want to trade him more than I would. Yeah, I'm kind of just assuming that he's gettable. Like, I don't know if they want to trade him, but I I think that's what it feels like, that he's definitely gettable. Yeah. Yeah, I think this would go better if you had a deal for Levert also lined up. I mean, what if you switched Levert for Prince? We just did Levert for Gordon straight up, actually. I mean, I wouldn't do that as the Rockets, but you think the Nets would do that? Uh, I kind of don't think so. Yeah, they might. They might like maybe it makes them like one percent better, but like if you're gonna trade Levert, it's like yeah. you want someone who fits perfectly, and like Levert is probably just as valuable, if not more, than Gordon in the open market. So yeah, yeah that, that's what I was gonna say. The value in the open market is probably favored Levert, but I think this is the deal you make at the deadline. If you're like, okay, if we get Gordon, if we swapped out. Levert for Gordon, they were probably like the championship favorite, but probably I don't really see that being the scenario. Um, yeah, so that's all I got. That's a lot of trade talk. You got any more? I've one more diamond in the rough for you. Just uh, see what you think. So right. it's James Harden. <laughs> You're already out for. You're going to send him up to the land of 10,000 lakes, Minnesota, for <laughs> D'Angelo Russell, Jarrett Culver, and 1-1 this year. You get the first pick. This is obviously a rebuilding mode, but Russell, yeah. you get seven years younger. You get last year's project in Culver. I mean, Russell has a somewhat similar game to Harden, albeit much worse, but not that much stylistically different. No, that's definitely interesting. Um, if I if Harden was on the open market and I was just taking everyone's offers, that would be up there. Probably want more picks. Um, yeah. They, fortunately, the Wolves can't give you another one until like 2024 or five. Oh, yeah. Um, Thanks to the Stepien rule and the Wiggins trade. Yeah. What? Um, but yeah. I'd like that. I think that is pretty close value-wise. But what, kind of going back to what I was saying earlier, how I try and push like all my assets as far in the future as I could with a hardened deal, just so I could maybe set my timeline to be away from LeBron and Kawhi and yeah, the Warriors' timelines. But to be fair, the first overall pick this year is going to hit his prime in, like, 2026, right? Yeah, I guess I meant to – I should clarify. The only thing I was really thinking about that is maybe trying to reroute, deload something in the future. Oh. Or just which, you play. Maybe, which you maybe could, but I guess yeah. I don't know for sure. Yeah. Oh. It's actually a little bit interesting to me. Yeah, I saw – what was it? I think it was, like, D'Lo in the number one pick this year or De'Aaron Fox. From would you rather have? D'Lo in the first pick. What would you? I don't know. I remember how I told you how torn I was on D'Lo. Like, yeah, I'm, we that yeah, is, we didn't know what to think of him. Uh, he, I'm that's probably the player I'm most torn on in the entire league. But like, he's not that much worse than Fox. I don't know. I don't even. I don't even know if I'd give up like the tenth pick in D'Lo but, for Fox. Yeah, I'm, but that's that. I'm pretty high on Fox too. So. Okay. 
We can table that discussion. Yeah. <laughs> it's Fair. it's one forty nine AM. We can table that discussion. Fair enough. Um, so ultimately are the Rockets mixing it up? I think the most things get mixed up is Gordon for someone cheaper and probably a little worse. Do you think it's more likely that they trade Gordon or Westbrook versus they do nothing at all besides just like sign free agents and make like a second round draft pick if they even have one? I think it's more likely I probably put it fifty fifty between doing nothing and free agents. Well or, that's not very helpful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, like I guess not even Russ. I'm not good. I say it's like I'll say like 49% <laughs> Gordon trade, 50% do nothing, then like one percent of a Russ trade. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't. I just I think it's really not that exciting for them this off season. If you had your say and nothing like amazing value wise came your way, would you rather just run it back with the exact same squad? in a full season next year or would you rather just kind of if you could make like a neutral trade just to mix it up with Gordon or Westbrook which would you prefer I'd rather run it back and then maybe look to make a few additions on the margins and free agency just because I mean we didn't get eliminated or they didn't get eliminated <laughs> at their at their ceiling so I mean you had no house and Westbrook being in absolute shell of himself which could I mean that's not the new normal, but maybe the new normal is not even new normal for him. He's been bad in the playoffs, so maybe it's somewhere in between his peak regular season version and how he performed in the playoffs. But I mean, I mean a lot of it was because he's coming off COVID and a serious quad injury. So, um, yeah, I think I'd rather run it back. I still think the ceiling for this team going forward would be really high. And like I said earlier, I think they can still easily justify a championship ceiling. Maybe how likely is that? Probably not that high, but I think it's still you can still talk yourself into it. Yeah, I think I'd ultimately want to run it back as well. Um, I mean, they have a lot of variants built into their game. Obviously, all the injury stuff we talked about already. Like it's not it's not by any stretch crazy to think that they could be like the Nuggets right now, making this type of run next yeah. year. So I think. Yeah, it just would be a little bit of a bummer if, like, after next year, you have, like, a first-round or second-round exit, and now Harden and Westbrook are 32 years old, and, like, their salaries are climbing even higher, and then it's like, oh, shoot, now what do we do? And, I mean, the answer is probably just crumble into a not-great team, just like a lot of teams do, just like the cycle of it. But yeah, I think I, I think I would lean towards just bringing him back. And Yeah, and one thing I'll just reiterate one more time is, like, they were – very close to being up 2-0 in the Lakers. Like, <laughs> also, let's not forget Scott Foster ref that game, too. <laughs> and there it is. There's one call where he, I remember he came like from 50 feet away screaming to make it. I, don't, I think it's like free throws at the end of the half, but just like randomly, little things like that. <laughs> um, no, I don't, even, I don't buy into, well, I buy into him just having personal beef with the Rockets, whether it gets in the way or not. I mean, whether he controls it in the way or not, it probably is like somewhat subconscious, even if he tries to not do it. But um, just I just have an image of Jordan Bell tackling like Rockets players trying to get around screens right now, while Steph Curry is getting wide open. 2017, 18. Um, Bitter memories. Uh, yeah. 
was I think I had one more thing to say, but I can't even remember it at this point. Oh yeah, it's just that the fact that it, they were very close to being up 2-0, like leading going into fourth when, like I said, Russ literally killed the flow of the offense. I think this out of the seven people who played, like non, um, who played like more than like two minutes, I think Macklemore might have played like two minutes that game or something. But out of like the seven people who played significant minutes, Westbrook was the only negative and plus minus. Oh. And, and he's like For sure of the starters. All the other starters were like way plus. I think. Yeah, I and then House that, actually House played like thirty minutes off the bench was a huge plus. Then like Austin Rivers and Macklemore played probably played like ten minutes total, and one of them I think ended up being a negative too. But essentially, Westbrook was the only negative on the team. And yeah, also it was a Scott Foster ref game, and and I mean it was just, Westbrook was like. Missed in general, just like fifteen shots. Had seven, just absolutely terrible turnovers. I th- that was the game. Was that was a game six against the Thunder? Or that game where he just threw everything out of bounds. Like I think that might have been the Thunder game, but he just had a ton of turnovers. Just terrible. Both. Yeah, it's just terrible turnovers, killing the flow of the offense and being the worst defender on the court while doing all that. Like I don't. People will look at the score, but no, nah, that's that's if Westbrook wouldn't play, that would have made a difference. Like, I just, I don't care what his actual plus minus was, he was so damaging, and like that only accounts for like things that happen to like, like it doesn't count for just him like killing the spacing and just not being able to like instead of him being on the like in that spot where in the hard and only minutes they were killing it because the trap just did not work at all. And like that's when the Rockets were really hitting threes too. I think they shot less than that. They shot like forty percent on like fifty plus threes, and like that's despite Westbrook being act actively like killing them on the court. I'm yeah, guessing would've... you're I'm guessing you're not going to bring that last soliloquy to the opening negotiation table if you're trying to trade Westbrook. <laughs> no, I'm going to talk about January to March. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's all I got Rockets-wise. You got anything else to add? <laughs> I I do not. Do you have one more uh, finals prediction for us since we've gotten them all wrong along the way? I had the Bucks who fell mightily hard, and I believe you had the Clippers who fell spectacularly hard. I guess the Lakers are going to win it. I guess I'm going to have to <laughs> eat crow on everything I said because the Lakers are going to pull this out. Even though they got lucky to not have to face the Clippers. They got lucky against the Rockets, <laughs> and Four I, I mean, actually, the luck. I I would have picked Boston to come out, but I mean, they kind of just haven't been able to pull away these close games. So Miami's up three one. It's really tough to pick Boston there. I do think Boston probably is a slightly better team. They just haven't been able to figure Miami out. But I haven't really watched too much, so I don't know how on point that analysis is. <laughs> um, so I guess I'm just going to assume Miami's coming out and Lakers are coming out. But I I just find it really hard to believe that whether it's the Lakers actually pulling it off or, like, they just get helped into winning. I just do not see them making the finals and losing. But if I'm just trying to take that just gut feeling out of my analysis, I mean, I think Miami could beat them. I mean, Bam beat great type of great guy to guard ad plenty of wings actually how in the heck are they gonna beat the zone like boston has five shot creators you just four shot creators on the court at once and they struggle 
like who is going to get into the teeth of that zone against um, for the Lakers? Yeah, I mean their guards That's... are terrible. They'd have to they'd have to pound the offensive glass, get hot from deep, and like work the high post with like LeBron or AD, and kind of pick apart pick it apart from that way. Um, That's but... actually, I think I might have to pick Miami. I they're going to eat them alive in that zone. But like it's crazy, like like no one plays zone. Like this was a, not a thing, and now it's like destroying the Celtics. And now you're like saying that they would it would really cripple the Lakers. But I, you made a good point. Like Miami is going to match up really well against the Lakers. They have like Iggy Butler Crowder to throw on LeBron. They have Bam to kind of tame Davis a little bit. And I mean, Hero and Dragic are apparently just like first team All NBA players yeah. uh, <laughs> when they're in Florida. So I mean, it seems like like I know the betting odds favor the Lakers massively, but I mean, I've been doubting the Lakers every step of the way because I just really don't think they're even that good. But I do think the Heat will give them serious problems if they both get through. So on top of all that, it's got to be time for a little bit of Anthony Davis regression, right? Like he can't keep shooting like. 55 like effective field goal percentage on jump shots right like that has to change yeah i mean i think so but i also think Dragic was going to stop being a human flamethrower and that hero That's is true. not going to drop 37 off the bench and these things keep happening so yeah i don't know this bubble like anything can but, happen uh, in the bubble yeah it's gonna yeah that is very true um i think my analysis would point to me wanting to pick miami but I just, I don't know. I can't see the Lakers losing if they make it to the finals. Like, the ultimate test, right? The most times people say the best player in the series, you usually lean towards that. So, so the Lakers have the two. <laughs> people have been saying that. I, I don't know where I fall on that. Probably yeah, I same. don't agree. But, but the Lakers are gonna have the two best players in the series. But then the Heat are just gonna have a way better, more rounded team. And so, like, that's just like the ultimate test on steroids, right? Like, normally it's just, like, best player versus... Usually it's side towards the best player, but I don't know. I, I I don't know. I think it actually will be a good series, and I could easily see the Heat winning. But at the end of the day, it's like, do you look... Like, you watch the teams take the court, and, like, if you see the Lakers go up 2-0 or something, you're like, wow, I picked against Davis and LeBron against the Jimmy Butler, uh, Dragic, hero. I don't know. Yeah. It, it's just a super interesting matchup if that's what it ends up being. Yeah, and what makes it the most annoying part about having to pick is the fact that you have to consider, like, who's just going to, like, regress closer to what they're just, like, they're normal for them, like, out of, like, Anthony Davis and then some of the Miami guys. Like, I mean, I just, that's just a guessing game, right? Like, you can say, oh, well, they're going to be able to guard them well, so they're going to regress like there's more likely but i mean it's the playoffs like everyone's been guarding everyone well like and like yeah. like i said about anthony davis last night he was like six six from the field when i started watching then his seventh shot he makes is a off a spin step back one step inside the three-point line fading away in the shot clock two guys in his face like i mean when is that's got to come to an end right but i don't know yeah, I mean, he's the ultimate matchup problem. Like, there's, like, no one in the league that could really guard him but when, when he's on. But, yeah, he's not going to be shooting 60% on jumpers. Yeah. I guess I'm going to go on the record, though. Miami in 
six. Because the Browns yeah. won't lose. Because the Browns not going to lose the game seven. Is that what you're thinking? I don't know. I don't know what I'm thinking. <laughs> I honestly have no idea. I mean, it's been pretty proven. I had the Bucks. I will say. Uh, on the draft class preseason, we did predictions, and I did have the Lakers in the finals in that. So I'm just gonna retroactively go all the way back to a take that I made 14 months ago or whatever. But I, I don't know. I'm just gonna stick with you. I'll say that he as well. But all right. We can't. Don't feel great about it. Wouldn't bet no. on it. Oh, I'm gonna bet on it. It's cause, <laughs> just because what the value is just gonna be. Well, yeah, they'll be it's, big underdogs, right? Yeah, it's gonna be such good value for Miami. I'm definitely gonna bet on it. Um, okay. yeah, odds, yes, I wouldn't bet on it straight up, or if um, you're just telling me pick yeah. a winner, yeah, so. not that, but probably gonna be able to get Miami at like plus 300 to win the series or something. So, I yeah, think it's, it's, it's definitely gonna be a good value play for them. <laughs> All right, let's wrap it up. Um, real quick though, one last thing I'll say is <laughs> forever ago when we were actually talking about trades, um. So with this series, we'll keep going with some of the fun teams that have just uh, been eliminated. Really, just whatever teams we want to do, which ones seem the most fun. Uh, look at the Bucks. That's going to be an interesting one, considering uh, Giannis unfollowing everyone on Instagram <laughs> and right. the potential of him, if he turns down that Supermax, like actually putting the pressure on Milwaukee to where it looks like he might actually leave. So they might want to pull the Anthony Davis and get something out of him before he leaves for nothing. Um, it might do the Clippers, Sixers, whatever teams we feel like doing. I like it. Let's do it. All right. You want to leave the people with anything? Uh, As if these last two hours weren't enough. I was going to say, I have spilled a lot of words, but uh, Westbrook's salary dump, lock it in. All right. Okay, we will catch you all next time with the... What's the next one? I don't even remember how to stop recording. It's been so long. <laughs> there we go.